As Adam mentioned, I am, my name is Isaac Jones. I am from East Tennessee. I was born and raised. I was born in Johnson, I was born in Knoxville, uh, then moved in Johnson City, Tennessee. Um, please do not sing Wagon Wheel. I don't like Wagon Wheel. And I also do not like Rocky Top. That is my confession. Neither one. Um, they do not make me happy in any way, shape, or form. Um, I moved to Nashville about five years ago to go to Vanderbilt University. Um, that is where my disdain for UT came from. And, uh, and then I graduated from there last year. Um, I currently work at Ethos Church, as mentioned. I do a lot of different things at Ethos. Um, I'm the campus coordinator, which means I'm in charge of volunteers and volunteer coordinators. I teach occasionally. I do pastoral work. And I also lead all of our serve initiatives. And so it's a lot. And then on top of that, I'm pursuing my master's in divinity at Lipscomb University currently. So I'm about halfway through that program. And, and one of the big things about that program when we started um, is that they wanted to really take care of us as people, as followers of Jesus. And so our very first class that we had to take was spiritual formation. And the kind of primary focus of that was how do you grow in your personal walk with the Lord? And so uh, a big aspect of that was prayer. And so they really pushed different kinds of prayer, different ways to pray, how to practice prayer. And one of the things we had to do the very first day is they gave us uh, set prayers. They gave us this thing called matins. And as a group, we had to come in and we kind of sat awkwardly. We didn't know each other. We're sitting around this circle. And we had to pray this set prayer together over and over again. And for a week, we were together. We prayed that every morning. We prayed it every night. And it, and it became this practice for us. Um, and when I say that, when I say prayer, not all of you guys are going to connect with that idea. Um, it definitely felt really awkward for me at first. I was like, I don't understand why I have to read a prayer. Most of the time I just go into a room and I pray out loud. And, and that's the case. A lot of us have different opinions on prayer. Uh, for some people, you really like the idea of liturgy. You like the idea of the Book of Common Prayer and having something to pray. For other people, when you think prayer, you think uh, prayer request. You think writing your prayer request on a card and passing it in. And for other, prayer is group prayer. It's a being together with a group of people at a coffee shop or a prayer gathering and sitting and praying together. And for other, pe for other people, uh, prayer is that thing that Christians do that's kind of weird. You ever pulled up some, beside someone at a red light and you look over and they're talking out loud to themselves and you think they're very strange? That's your association with prayer. And so clearly there's a lot of opinions on what prayer is. And I, I kind of want to give us a definition to work with so we can have a place to start together so that we can all be on the same page. And so a very simple definition of prayer for me is um, communication with God in relationship. So as simple as I can get, communication with God in relationship. And obviously, there's a lot of ways to do that. I've already talked about many of them. There's plenty other ways to pray. But the big aspect there is the relationship. It's all about a relationship. So I want you to kind of call to mind um, the person, your, your closest relationship. So maybe that's your uh, wife or husband or significant other or your best friend. Uh, think of that person. Now, obviously, you probably communicate with that person at some point, right? You probably talk to them every day. I mean, you probably talk to them in different ways. Maybe there's a set thing that you say every day. For my family growing up, it was always uh, what was the best part of your day and what was the worst part of your day. And that was our set thing. That was one of the things we communicated all the time. Uh, or maybe uh, you, you make some requests, you ask questions, you go, hey, can you do me this favor? Can you do this? Can you clean this? Or uh, you also communicate with them in groups, right? So you may go out with friends or you're hanging out at a coffee shop. And, and then there's also private one-on-one -on -one communication. 
And in all those cases, communication is the cornerstone of that relationship. If there is no communication, the relationship doesn't work. And I would argue that prayer is the cornerstone of our relationship with God. That communication is needed, and that is what prayer is for. So prayer at its simplest is communication with God in relationship. Does that make sense? And so uh, clearly we're going we're gonna to be diving into Nehemiah. You guys started last week. You did an amazing job last week setting up everything with the wall and the backstory and what's happening in Nehemiah. There's so much complex history. And, and I, I love the example of if New Zealand came over and took over America and uh, what that would be like. I got to go to New Zealand last year, so it made me laugh to think about them coming over and, and taking over. But the context of this is that the, the Babylonians had taken over and uh, the Jewish people were going back. And Nehemiah has heard um, uh, what's happening and heard about the wall being torn down, and he's heartbroken. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to read, and we're going to kind of dive into the text. God, I am under no illusion that I can do this without you. Um, The people then couldn't do this without you, and I can't do this without you now. Um, I need you to speak and move and, and, and do your thing. Um, would you invite us deeper into a relationship with you, that we may know you? Would you show us how to talk with you and converse with you and move forward with you and grow with you? Um, Lord, you love all of us in this room and you want a deeper relationship with us. Thank you for that. Please bless today and please let your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're gonna be in Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11. Um, I think they're gonna put it up on the screen. Um, And I'm going to read, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. And I said, and this is his prayer, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for not my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me and put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And so we get in this text, and the very first thing that it says in verse 4, it kind of sets the context, and we've talked about this already, is that uh, Nehemiah has heard what is happening in Jerusalem. He has heard that the people have gone back, and that the wall is not being built, and that things are not going well, and he's heartbroken. And it says that he, he mourns, and he weeps, and he begins to pray. And I, and I think about this in the situation. We've had so many traumatic and horrible events happen over the past couple weeks. And when you hear those events happening, you hear about the shooting in Orlando or you hear about the shooting that happened this weekend in Germany and your heart gets broken for those. This is what's happening to Nehemiah. 
He's heard about this situation that's happening. He hears about it, and his heart is broken for it. And it says he begins to, to mourn and weep, but he also begins to pray. And, and I love this because what he's doing, it's not a one-time prayer. This is, not a, this is not his only prayer in the four months. This is a consistent prayer that he begins to pray over and over again to God. And I love that. I, it, it challenged me a little bit because I thought about my prayer life and things that I pray. And uh, I realized that I am not consistent in this way, that I get very distracted and so I've been praying. I have a close friend whose family's been divorced and I've been praying for reconciliation and I'll pray that for two days and then I forget completely. And then two weeks later, I'm like, wait a second. I was supposed to be praying for that and I'll start praying again. I'm, I'm fervent. I made little prayer cards and I'll pray. And three days later, I forget. And then so four weeks later, oh, I'm supposed to be praying for that. But here we, we hear Nehemiah is mourning and weeping and he's praying consistently this prayer to God. So what does he pray? It says, he starts out and he says, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. And so he starts out with this declaration of praise to God. He just starts out and he says, God, you are great and awesome. And I, and I think sometimes we overuse the words great and awesome in our society. I was at a wedding recently and I kept saying awesome over and over again. And the person I was talking to got annoyed because awesome is this big, heavy word. It, it, awesome means awe-inspiring. And great to them means huge, uh, massively huge, as big as it can get. And he's saying, he starts out his prayer by saying, God, you are so big and so awe-inspiring and so incredible. It's this clear distinction of who God is and who he is. He's like, you are amazing. And he goes on, he says, God, you're a God of, that keeps covenant and unfailing love. So covenant at its simplest, it, it's a term I think we're very familiar with, but covenant at its simplest is a relationship, it's a, but it's a legal binding relationship. So it's a little heavier than just casual friends. Um, the best way to demonstrate it is marriage, right? So marriage is a covenant. You're, you've entered into a relationship, but you also made a commitment legally. And so God entered into covenant, he was married to the Jewish people. And you can read about their wedding ceremony in Exodus 19. They entered into this covenant. They both made commitments. And so Nehemiah is claiming, you are the God of covenant. You entered into relationship with us. And because of that, because God is married to the people, God has shown steadfast love to those people. Consistently showed love to them. Constantly showed love to them. And Nehemiah is just starting his prayer by naming that. God, you are awesome. You are great. You're in relationship with us. You have shown us nothing but love. This is our relationship. This is why he gets to communicate in relationship. So he names that, and all of it transitions. He says that, will you look down and see me praying? He asks God to look and see and hear. It's, it's, the, the, the phrasing there is almost like he wants him to really, God, please focus in on my words right now. Have you ever been to a coffee shop or a nice restaurant and it's really loud and you're trying to have a conversation and you have ADD and you're very distracted by how loud it is? Um, I was out to lunch yesterday with, I, I'm still getting used to this, uh, my fiance and we were sitting down and she was talking, we were talking a little bit about wedding stuff and I, there's so much going on and I found myself doing this, just trying to focus in and make sure I could only hear her and see her. 
And that's kind of what Nehemiah is asking God to do. He goes, God, you're amazing. You're great. You're awesome. We're in a relationship. Will you zone in on this prayer? Will you focus in on what I'm saying? Will you zoom in? And so that's how it starts and it continues. It says, it says uh, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. And so he begins confessing sin to God. He says, man, we messed up. And I think it's interesting because he begins confessing communal sin. He begins to confess the sin of the people. Um, I don't know about you. I've never done this. I've never prayed to God and said, I want to apologize, God, for my roommate. He sinned against you horrible person. I'm sorry for that. Will you please forgive him? No, I, most of the time I start with me. But here he comes and Nehemiah understands that they're in relationship, that all the people are in relationship with God and says, we messed up. I confess, we as a people messed up. And then he, and he goes in and he goes, and I have messed up. He doesn't shift the blame. He says, I also messed up. My family has messed up. He says, we have sinned against you. So what did they do? And he, he lists these things. He says that they did not obey the commands, decrees, and regulations. And so what that means is when you enter in a, a covenant, when you enter a marriage, you're committing to certain things. Uh, till sickness and health and sickness and health and death and, and life. And you're committing to these things. And he's saying that they committed to this marriage, this relationship, and they didn't keep up their end of the bargain. They didn't follow the contract to the marriage. They cheated on God. They were either apathetic or they followed other gods or they didn't even listen. And he says, we, we confess that we did that. And he confesses it and he repents. And, he, and so we, we have this prayer. It's the most interesting prayer. It starts off with, God, you're amazing. You're, you're incredible. We're in relationship with you. Uh, and we messed up. We made a mistake. We failed. And it continues and it says, please remember what you told your servant, Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. And, and, and I love this because he starts and he says, God, will you remember? And, and I read that this week and I wrestled with that. It's like, does that mean God forgets? he presents like God remember usually if you ask someone to remember they've forgotten something but so I had to go dive into this and there's this theme in the Old Testament of asking God to remember something and but the word there is not necessarily just called back to memory something you forgot like it's not oh I lost something please help me remember it is, is an idea of calling to memory in a way that impacts your present so it's, it's to remember something so that impacts your present right now. The best way I can think of it, and it's not a great example, would be riding a bike. So we learned probably when you were younger, hopefully you did, bikes are amazing, you learned how to ride a bike. And when you get on a bike nowadays, you are remembering how to ride that bike. But you're not, you don't get on the bike and suddenly start thinking about all your memories that you had with the bike that you have forgotten. No, you get on the bike and you remember how to ride that bike in the present. So it's a callback. You haven't forgot it. You're just remembering so it affects the present. And that's what he's asking God to do. He's saying, will you remember this relationship you have with us and how it affects the present? So he says, remember what you said. God, God had said, hey, if you guys mess up, but then you choose to return to this marriage, 
if you choose to come back to me, then I will not end this marriage. So God had said to the people, he said, you, if you mess up, if you choose to cheat on me, if you choose to walk away, um, but if you come back, if you come back to me, then I will not leave. And, and, and uh, Nehemiah is saying, please remember that, God. Like, that's what is happening right now. We messed up. We confess sin right here, right now. But we also announced that we are coming back to you. And that's what the people had done. They had gone back to Jerusalem to go back to God. They'd gone back to build the temple in Ezra to, to go back to God. And so he's saying, God, please remember, because that will impact what's happening right now. Please remember what's happening right now. So we have this prayer. He starts out and says, God, you're great. You're awesome. You're the God of relationship. We messed up in our part of the relationship. But right now, remember and see that we are coming back to you. We are coming back to you. And all this leads, and I love this, he prays all this to come to one request. He comes down and it says, Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable, favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And so he prayed all of this prayer to get to this one point. That day, he was going to go ask the king if he could go back and rebuild the wall. And he said, God, please let that conversation go well. That's what he asked. He goes through this big drama and this big retelling of what happened, and this big declaration of who God is to come to the point of, God, I'm about to have this conversation. Please help. This is, this is the kind of conversation or prayer you might pray before you take a big test. If you had a really big test, it's going to impact your life. Please, God, let this test go well. If you have an interview with a job that's really important for you to get that job, please, God, let that go well. Or this past Wednesday when I went to propose, I was like, please, God, let this go well. Um, it's the kind of thing, and that's what he's praying. He's praying for blessing in this. And so this is the prayer we get. We get this, this idea where it's like, God, you're great and awesome. You're in relationship with us. We messed up, but we're coming back to you. And I want to show you that by going to rebuild this wall. Will you let that conversation go well? please. And that's the prayer. And, and I want us, as we kind of, we've seen the prayer, now remember the definition of prayer. It's communication with God in relationship. And so I'm struck by this because I was looking at this and I, I began to kind of look at the God that Nehemiah is in relationship with. Because he's communicating with God in relationship, right? So I want to look at the God. So what, is, what does the text say about God? So we get, he's the God of heaven, He's great and he's awesome. We get a God who's in covenant with people. We get a God who has unfailing love. My favorite parts get this. We get a God who sees, a God who hears, a God who remembers, a God who responds. A God who sees, he hears, he remembers, he responds. And all those words are extremely personal, relatable words. We all see things hear things, remember things, and respond to things. In our relationships, the people we're in relationship with see things, hear things, remember things, respond to things. It's very personal. And so I was struck by this. The God that Nehemiah is talking to, the God that he is praying to, is a very personal, relational God. He's a God of relationship. And I was challenged by this because I think the church today, we as the church, we identify God as that 
he is a relational God, but we don't necessarily treat God the way that Nehemiah is treating God in this moment. We say we're in a relationship with God, that he's personal, but we don't necessarily pray the same way Nehemiah is praying. Often, and I'm really guilty of this, so often we'll pray like God is not quite here, like God is uh, on the other side of the country and we're long distance phone calling God for help. Or maybe we treat God more like a, a genie who's gonna pop out magically, grant a request and then disappear. Or sometimes we pray and we act like God is here, but God's not gonna respond or move in any way. So we're just kind of talking out loud. And so we claim to fall a God who's personal and relational and yet we don't live into and pray and interact with the God who's personal and relational. And I'm struck by this because the God that Nehemiah is describing and talking to is the God that Jesus himself presented. So Jesus is God in a bod. Jesus is representing uh, God on earth as God himself in flesh. Then Jesus presents who God is. And Jesus was extremely personal and relational. He hung out with everybody. He had best friends and a family. He loved to go on late night walks and talks. He talked to people. He ate meals with people. He saw things. He heard things. He re remembered things. He responded to things. Jesus was personal and relational. It's part of the reason so many people were drawn to him. Because he constantly was inviting people into relationship with him. And that is the God that we claim to follow. A personal relational God. And so I want to kind of go back. We have this definition of prayer. We have that prayer is communication in relationship with God. Prayer is communicating with God in relationship, right? And then we have this God that Nehemiah is praying to who is extremely relational, who is in relationship. So how do we begin to live into the prayerful relationship? How do we begin to grow in our relationship with God through prayer? Um, one of the things we, at Ethos, I feel like we spend forever in series, and in this past series we've been in for like six months, and it's been everyday discipleship. And the premise is, how do Sundays begin to impact Mondays? So how do what we hear on Sundays change the way we live in the weeks? And we've tried to make it as practical as possible. So I was reading this going, how do we do this? Like, how do you have a God who's relational and step into a prayer that allows you to live into that relationship? And I, and I think that the, the text presents three ideas, okay? And they all start with R because that's what you're supposed to do as you preach. So they all start with R's. Three ideas, okay? Um, number one, we're supposed to remember. As I said earlier, the, the idea of remembering is to not just think about memories, but to call to mind something that impacts our present. And so Nehemiah asked God to remember in the same way I think we're called to remember in that light. So Nehemiah, at the beginning of his prayer, he names all these things about God, right? He goes, God, you're awesome, you're great, you're in covenant, you're unfailing. And that's what he's remembering. He's calling to memory the reality of God so that it impacts his prayer life. And so I think it's an invitation to start doing this. I've experienced this in my own life a little bit. Uh, my brother is, I love him to death. He sometimes does not make the best choices with his life, is a nice way to put it. And every once in a while, I'll get calls from my mother, and she's distraught, and she wants to pray. And we'll call, and what I found myself doing in the midst of the really hard phone calls and prayers is that I always name, I go, God, you're good. In light of the situation, you're still good. And what I'm doing is I'm remembering. I'm calling to mind the reality of God in a way that impacts 
what's happening. That I remember that God is good, and then even though my brother is making poor choices, God is still good, and God is still in control. It's a remembering act. And so I think this text is an invitation. If we want to grow in our prayer life and in the cornerstone of our relationship with God, part of our prayer life needs to shift to remembering who God is at the start of what we're doing. And maybe for you, that's just remembering your favorite aspects of God. Man, I love God's grace. I love God's love. Or maybe it's remembering moments where God's revealed himself to you. Moments where he called you to follow him. Moments where you've seen God move. But in any case, it's this act of remembering that it begins to affect our present. And I think that's the first one. Uh, the second thing is repent. So first one's remember. Second one is repent, which I think is on your repent. Uh, I think repent is turned into a really Christian-y word that we, we don't quite grasp anymore. Uh, repent simply means to turn around. You look at something and you go this way. You look at something bad and you go, I'm going this way. And so that's what Nehemiah is doing, right? So he comes and he repents for the people. He says, hey, we messed up. That's the bad thing. We messed up. But good thing. We want to go this way. And that's an act of repentance, right? And for so some of us, we come to this, and our prayer life doesn't look like this. We don't treat God relationally. We don't treat God personally. And it's a call to repentance of going, God, hey, we don't see you this way, but man, we want to. We don't see you as personal and relational, but man, I want to grow in that. And part of learning is to do that often, to go, God, I missed the mark here. I, I think one of the coolest realities, I mentioned earlier that the Jewish people kind of entered into a marriage covenant with God, right? And the, the coolest reality of that is that we got invited into that in the New Testament. Because Jesus came, we are now married to God. We're, the, the text will say that we are the bride of Christ. We're married to God. And I know for me that I often mess up on my part of the deal. I mess up constantly on my part of the deal, daily, most likely, in my relationship with God. But the cool part of this text and the prayer is that it's an opportunity to repent of that and grow in our relationship. To say, I messed up, but I want more. I messed up, but I want more. I think about this in the context of uh, personal relations. I think some of the truest moments of intimacy come from confessing moments where you messed up. So think about it in your marriage or your, your relationship. Those moments where you said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't love you well. I'm sorry I was selfish in that moment. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Those bring about moments of intimacy, not failure. I think this text is inviting us into those moments. So we have remember, we have repent. And the last one, because I needed an R word, is reoccurring. Reoccurring. So doing it over and over again. Um, as, as I mentioned in the beginning, Nehemiah, uh, this is not a one-time prayer. This is what he's praying over and over and over again. He says this over and over and over again. And it's an invitation to learn to pray constantly and consistently. It said at the beginning that prayer is the cornerstone of our relationship with God. And in order to have a relationship, you have to communicate with that person. And so it's an invitation to constantly be praying. I, I think for me, as I mentioned also in the beginning, that matins, the set hour prayer, when I first started them, I thought they were the weirdest thing ever. They were awkward. They were weird. Um, and nowadays, they have become a joy in my life. I do them almost every day. I have the set prayer. I have most of them memorized. And in seasons that have been hard in the past year and seasons that have been good, 
consistently praying those things over and over again has allowed me to constantly feel connected to God. When I didn't have the words to pray, they were words that I could pray. And I think the reality of Nehemiah and the fact that he constantly is praying over and over again this prayer to God and remembering and repenting and saying, God, here's everything. He is growing in his relationship with the Creator and he's able to go do what God has called him to do. Does that make sense? And so I look at this prayer and this is a radically different prayer than anything that I have ever prayed. I don't start, start my prayers this way normally. I'm not like, God, you're awesome. I'm sorry for my roommate and me. I love you. Like that doesn't how it go. Most of the time I start my prayers with, God, I need this. And I think this is an invitation to grow in relationship with God. And so here's what we're going to do. I, you guys do communion uh, kind of similar. So uh, during communion, I'm going to invite us to kind of practice this. So in a minute, you're going to kind of get up and go to communion around the room. Uh, I'll pray before that. You go grab that. And then with the person you're with or people around, uh, sit there and take some time to remember who God is. Just pray together. Remember who God has been in your life. If you're feeling called to repent and say, God, we don't, I have not loved you that way. I've not responded to you that way. I've not seen you relationally. Then take a moment to repent of that and pray together. But I think this is a cool way to begin to put this into practice. And this week, my challenge, and it's a challenge for me too because I've just started doing it today. In your prayer time, the times that you pray, start by remembering who God is and start by repenting before we get to requesting thanks from him. Does that make sense? Tracking. So I'm going to pray and then invite you to do communion. Um, God, I got to put this into practice. This is so hard. You are awesome. Uh-huh. You are awe-inspiring. You are holy. You are wonderful. Um, I thank you so much for the fact that you loved us, Lord, I, and, and that you showed your love for us through the cross. I repent of times that I do not reflect on you, times that I do not engage with you relationally, times that I, I don't fulfill my end of the bargain. Um, but I also thank you for your grace. Lord, would you grow us as a people in loving you and knowing you and encountering you? We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Communion is around the rooms. Take some time to get it. Pray together. Remember who God is. We love you guys.